Everybody, welcome to another episode of Winging Motown Radio. Uh, this is Kyle. You have here. It's been a while since I've been on, uh, but I am back to host, uh, which really sucks for all of you. Um, but it doesn't matter because I have the microphone and you do not. We have JJ and Mike with us tonight, gentlemen. How are we? Greatest night ever. I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. All right, everybody is doing really well and greatest night ever. Well, you're probably listening to this right now. It's probably the daytime, so that's irrelevant, I guess. But hopefully, the night ahead of you is a, a really great night, and it is the greatest night ever. So, um, the Red Wings have nine games left in the season. Uh, the season seems to have kind of gone gone by pretty quickly for me. Um, then again, I've been really busy, and I haven't really paid that much attention, uh, which probably works out really well because of how things have kind of just played out. Um but, uh, you know, we're kind of seeing a, a little, I mean, the, it's kind of what we've seen over the past few years. Uh, you know, you're seeing this, this uh, a bunch of young kids emerge and uh, start to step into some roles. Uh, last, or I should say Tuesday night, I'm sorry, Tuesday night we saw uh, Evgeny Svechnikov score his first NHL goal um, against the Flyers. And uh, what made it even sweeter is that it came to against Peter Mrazek. Um which was just very, very, very good. Um, the thing is, is that Spetsnikov isn't really seeing a lot of ice time. I mean, I think he just saw just over eight minutes in, in that game, um, which is, you know, the way I look at Evgeny Spetsnikov is uh, he's going to be the kind of player that can't really drive a line. He's going to have to have, have players that, that can help him, that propel him. Um, and, you know, playing with Luke Glendening and or. or I don't know who he was playing with. I think he was playing with at the moment. He was he was with Larkin and Ferk, who assisted on the goals. But I don't know. I feel like they're just uh, he might be, you know, it might be w- worth a shot to give him a, you know, maybe a, a look on a second or third line. Um, so I guess uh, the first question is, you know, is what the Red Wings are doing is is this is this acceptable? Um, is that something that the team needs to be doing at this point? Um, you know, with these limited minutes. Uh, uh, Mike, why don't you go ahead and uh, answer that question first? All righty. We're at the point in the season now where it's like, you know, the shoot has, I mean, the shoot hasn't been pulled. They're still trying, um, which may be the most like disheartening thing of all from that losing streak. Um, But it is good to see it. The the wings still have the the pride to like keep putting in that top effort. But um, regardless of that, yeah, Svechnikov needs to needs to get some more minutes, I think, Um, you know, probably on the third line, maybe just switch him with Ablocator. Um, And, you know, you always got to look at these things like, you know, not only are you giving Svechnikov minutes that he may deserve, but does someone like Ablocator deserve less minutes? Um, but I, I think he needs some more time to in, in some more help than he can get from Luke Glendening and Martin Furk to really kind of um, so that the wings management can get a better bearing on on where he's going and where he's projecting. Because, um, I mean, personally, hopefully, hopefully he can turn into um, to replace the guy that we traded away at the deadline and Thomas Tatar. But uh, they're not going to figure that out playing the guy like eight minutes a night. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think that he's actually, I don't really know if Svechnikov has earned it, earned the, the role. Uh, he's kind of had a really rough season in, in the AHL. He had a really good season, you know, rookie season. Um, but I think that they do need to start reprioritizing, uh, you know, just what the hell the plan is. Uh, JJ, what, uh, what about you? Uh, I'm going to take probably a more Pollyannish approach than a, uh... Then I, I truly believe just because of all of the 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 griping. But my question here is at what you said it yourself. He needs to earn this time. What does he need to to do to to earn it? Like I'm because I agree with the concept. He does need to earn the time, and I think that there have been games where he has played uh, well enough so that he probably should have gotten a few more shifts. But like I'm. 
I don't know. You also talked about, you know, just play him up on the third line. Does, does Ablocator really need to get more minutes than Svechnikov at this point of the season? And that's that's a really good argument to me is that, yeah, when Svechnikov is looking good, he ought to be playing that. He, But I also don't want to promise this kid, you know, 15, 18 minutes a night just because I have a lot of faith in his potential. Like, I... I do think that he's a kid that's going to need to 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 show up more. Um, although in the last couple of games, he really has like he's won battles in the corner. He's gone and and fought because he's not necessarily a, a Thomas Tatar type. He's more of a of an Anthony Mantha type in terms of like he's sizable and he's rough and tumble and he's got a, like a little bit of Todd Bertuzzi in him. And I think it was. I think it was Helene that basically wrote that uh, he needs to to take a hint from Tyler Bertuzzi's play, um, just be that like pain in the ass guy who goes into the corner. So when he's doing that, yeah, he he ought to be getting uh, 15 minutes a night. I want him I want him earning that, but I don't know. It, you get chicken and an egg. There is is when he's not earning it, then how do you get him to earn it if you're playing him with Luke Glendening and Martin Ferg? So. Uh, I guess you guys nailed it, and just thank you for listening to me as I mentally work through <laughs> coming to the same level that you are. Well, I suppose Bertuzzi kind of earned it through the same sort of way, uh, in a, you know, playing with uh, playing tiny minutes, uh, playing with crappy players, and but I mean Bertuzzi's just that kind of a player. I mean, he Bertuzzi is made to be uh, a guy who plays like a fourth liner in terms of physicality and, and, and going to the to the puck and to the boards. But then he just he's just smart and he makes the the, the good top, the moves that you want your top guys making. So you know you're right. He needs to be like Tyler Bertuzzi. Yeah hopefully better than Tyler Bertuzzi. Hopefully he becomes a little bit more of a playmaker. I know he can. He's got a lot of offensive instinct, but you know I just think that he needs to mature a little bit more and he's still young. I mean, you know, he's I mean Christ, the kid's not even, what is he, 21 or something like that? So he's got, or 22, I don't know. He's young. He's very, very young. And, um, you know, it's it's only his second year playing professional hockey. So, uh, you know, I think we got, they've got plenty of time with him. I don't think they're going to rush it. But uh, I, I, I think it's just good that he's getting time in the NHL right now. And, you know, they didn't they didn't send him back uh, uh, back down or anything. Um, you know, branching off of that, though, uh, you know, I think that, Amid this terrible stretch of games, you know, uh, where they lost 10 in a row, uh, which was absolutely uh, just brutal to, to live through. But at the same time, it was very entertaining because it was like, holy shit, how are they doing this? This is really, really bad. Um, it, it was just like, it was just, it was just bad. Um, Dylan Larkin has continued to be, you know, even though he kind of went a long time without scoring a goal, I think it was like 18 games or something like that. Uh He's just been so brilliant this season, and I think that he's been a, a, the obvious bright spot. Um, you know, so I think this is a good time to really appreciate, you know, what kind of a player he is because, you know, that sophomore slump season that he had, you know, it was it was kind of like a wake-up call to everybody. It's like, oh, okay, well, this kid isn't a hot shot like we, maybe we thought he was. But, you know, his first season, he came out as a rookie and was like a goal scorer, and it was, you know, he was, he was fantastic, and... Uh, now it seems like he's just turned into this responsible, mature, uh, two-way player that can just do whatever the hell you need him to do, and you know he's gonna lead the way. Um, so I think that's the best thing that has come out of this season, and I'm really glad that Dylan Larkin is living through, you know, a, a kind of like a bad a start, bad start of the era for him. Uh, and I hope. Yeah, that- you know what I'm really happy to see in regards to Dylan Larkin and, and what he's come along is that I am no longer quite as terrified that Justin Applicator is going to be the next Red Wings captain. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't think that, I don't think that, I mean, if it does happen, then it's just, that's just ridiculous because. I think prior to this season, it was a better than a 50-50 chance that, that Justin Applicator was going to get handed the captaincy while they waited for Dylan Larkin to, to be ready for it. Um, At now, I'd put it, I don't know, maybe 3070 in in terms of Adlocator having to hold the reins, and obviously that's going to depend on how long uh, Henrik Zetterberg plays. Uh, if if he decides he's going to walk away this summer, then 
then that's that's my thirty seventy right now. But as you go along, I think if if Zetterberg plays you in one more year, then we're d- we're done with the the worry about Abby being the captain. Um, yeah, I think that he's really shown. And as I don't I don't hate Justin Applicator. I just don't want him to be our our captain. I just, I think that he's made a lot of dumb plays this this season and a lot of dumb selfish shit. And I would rather have basically the next captain, the young kid, um, and seeing the the way that Dylan Larkin has kind of taken on the role that uh, of of be of getting ready for it has been. Yeah, I'd, I I've loved watching him play this season. Yeah, yeah, he's been he's been very good, and I think all Red Wings fans uh, uh, can can agree. Uh, and anybody who doesn't agree is wrong, and we don't like them. Don't listen to our podcast. Um, so moving on to our next topic here, uh, this is something I just, we don't need to spend much time on it, uh, but it is something that I feel like is kind of important right now, especially with how things have been going. Now, is how do you watch the game at this point in the season? There are nine games left. The Red Wings are obviously in the tank, even though they're not eliminated from the playoffs yet, which is mind blowing. Um, they are going to get eliminated from the playoffs unless there's some sort of crazy act of God or whatever the hell you believe in uh, that that puts them in as like the final wild card. Well, no, they, are they, are they eliminated yet? Did no, they get eliminated? New Jersey, New Jersey okay. needs one more point. That's right. Okay. So if the Red Wings lose a game or if New Jersey gets a point, then they're out. So they're still in it, but it's the, it's not a great chances. So not that anybody wants that to happen at this point, but it would be fun to watch. Um, I noticed that a lot of fans are, you know, just kind of happy with the team being bad. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're cheering for the team to lose. And I understand that whole standpoint of it and everything. You know, you want the team to be bad so you get a better player, hopefully start uh, maybe a new mindset. Uh, you know, it seems like this kind of really polarizing topic for a lot of, a lot of fans. I'm not per- a person to ever tell anybody how to fan. If you want the team to be bad so that they can hopefully get better in, in the future, I understand that. Um, but personally, I've never been the kind of person to cheer for a team to lose, uh, my, my favorite team to lose. Uh, you know, if it ever gets to that point, then I'm just not going to watch the game because uh, it just doesn't seem like any fun to me. Um, but, you know, is there a middle ground? Uh, can you be, is there, have, has anybody, any of you guys in particular, have you reached a middle ground where, you know, you're happy if they win. You're happy if they lose. Is that have you guys reached that point yet, or is it still like a you know you're either on one side or the other? JJ, the Philly game was hilarious because that was basically a, a win-win that yeah. was going to happen. Like as soon as Mraz got pulled, and I, I, I'm not proud of how happy I am in the 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 fuck Mraz concept, but. Uh, it is what I it is what it is, and if if you don't like me for it, then I can I can accept that. And then it like it went to a, a shootout win, like that was that was like the the worst way to get the the result that I was still going to be okay with. Um, honestly, I said at the beginning of the season that I was going to find ways to enjoy watching this team, and I've succeeded in that. Uh, it's been interesting to kind of like take a step back. And realize how far I've like allowed myself to honestly cheer on losses. Like I wasn't ready to do that in February, even uh, even though I was. Um, I accept team tank and and where we're at in that, and I understand the the logical reason for it. And basically, I'd made my peace with the. I I cannot within the realm of a game root like cheer or be happy for the team to get scored on. I cannot, within the point of a game, be unhappy to watch the Red Wings score a goal. Um, but the the quickness at which I like I get to be at peace with these events, it's it's changed a lot just in the last few weeks. Uh, the 10-game the losing streak was not really painful for me. It was, it was a lot of... I, although, honestly, it because... I, I hate to use the word because it's become so poisonous around here, but but the process of the way that they've played during that 10-game losing streak 
hasn't crushed my spirits. It's it's actually brought them higher up because it was this was a lost season well before this ten game losing streak. Um, but watching the growth of Larkin, like you talked about, uh, the growth of of Manta, how Tyler Bertuzzi has come along, um, I'm I feel good about the concept that there was a, a goal for me at the beginning of the season that we would start to see this key, this team taken over by the kids. And I think that we are actually reaching that. So honestly, at, at this point, the only thing that really annoys me is the, you know, hell is other people being on the, the whim account and seeing people with constant, like, faux confusion oh, i don't get why people are unhappy about this 10 game losing streak it's like fuck you you get why people are unhappy you just disagree <laughs> you can't like we understand there are people who understand that the red wings losing every game is is good there are people who just can't bring themselves to that you don't pretend like you don't understand being unhappy to watch your team lose and it's just the, the the fan policing among Red Wings fans of late has been, I mean, it, it, this happens in tanking teams. It happens in, in winning teams, too. It's just something that as the, the season goes along, we're all kind of getting a new experience with uh, as Red Wings fans. And I'm I'm experiencing it, it I guess, in different ways because I, I've never been a Lions fan. So um, I don't have that crossover kind of practice. I don't know. You're very, it's an, very lucky. Thank you. It's an entertaining season. I'm, uh, I'm having fun. Well, that's good. Uh, Mike, what about you? Um, no, I kind of agree with the the ten game losing streak with what JJ said. That it's, in some ways, it's it's not as bad as it could have been, um, because yeah, the 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 process has been good, um, and. You know, I, I think Dylan Larkin is is probably the best player that the Red Wings have now, which is like, I mean, how long has it been since you could say that, you know, Zetterberg wasn't the best player on the team? I guess since Dad's retired, but whatever. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, but like, I guess if I don't watch the game, if I miss the game because of like uh, of work or something and we lose, I'm like. Well, you know, it's all for the cause. That's fine. But if I'm watching the game and it's close, like uh, um, like the the Kings game from last week, uh, I covered that game. And that just like, you know, you stay up late to watch this game and the wings, you know, tie the game up in the second and they look like they look like the better team and then they still win or excuse me, still lose four to one. And you're like, what am I doing with my life? (laughs) Staying up this late to watch this team lose against like this, like smothering, like frog on a log team that the Kings are. (laughs) So that, that like, that's, that's still really hard for me. Um, you know, there are other games where like, uh, the wings get blown out and lose like six, two and it's never even close. And it's, you know, after like 15 minutes of the game, I'm like, Oh, fine, whatever. That's how this game's going to go. <laughs> I am emotionally detached now, but those games that are, that are still close where the wings play well for like two periods. And then they just have one sloppy period. And their one sloppy period is so much worse than the other teams bet two bad periods that they still get wrecked like those are those suck. Absolutely. I think we all kind of agree. We've been having fun with this season. Uh, even though if you were to tell me this season, how, you know, two years ago, like, Hey, in this season, they're going to be this bad. I'd just be like, well, you know what? I'm probably just going to take that year off then. Cause I really don't want to deal with it. No, I've been having fun with it. It's a good time. Uh, and you know, if, it, if I find myself angry at the team or angry at something, I just, I've kind of created this, uh, this habit of just turning off the TV, um, which that's is healthy. Uh, really, which, yeah, which is well, it's really good, and I I, uh, I suggest it to anybody who's open to the idea, uh, but I won't tell you what to do. Um, anyways, so since we've covered that, uh, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who disagree with us or whatever. That's fine, you know. We are we're we are 
born and bred to disagree with each other. And uh, if you don't agree with me, then sorry, you're just really dumb. I just whatever. Um, so switching gears to another topic here, uh, maybe something not Red Wings related, uh, kind of taking a look around the league. Um, there's a lot going on. Uh, you know, you got teams like the Blue Jackets who are on this really hot, super hot streak right now. Uh, the Blackhawks are out of the playoffs, which is just music to everybody's ears, I feel. Uh, I feel like there's nobody who's mad about it, even Blackhawks fans, which is actually kind of annoying. I want them to be more mad about it. Um, Alex Ovechkin is shaping up to have another 50-goal season, possibly, uh, which is uh, insane. And, you know, after he had, like, well, he only scored, like, 36, 38 goals last season there. But he's like, well, here comes his dive, and nope, here he is again. Uh, just, uh, you know basically just doing his thing, uh, which is amazing. Um, has there been anything that has stood out uh, to you guys around the league um, that is really uh, this season or recently in particular? Uh, you know, uh, Mike, what about you? I'll, we'll go ahead and say that. Is there a, a storyline this season that you've uh, really uh, kind of tuned into and are very intrigued by? Because um, of where I live, I have been kind of keeping an eye on the Western Conference wild card race. Uh, it's just been, you know, it's been interesting seeing the, you know, the the stars and the abs and and the L.A. teams all kind of like jockey around for those spots. And and, you know, most every night you can turn on a game and, and see these these teams that are all like they're all like good teams. And because uh, I, I think I think the West is a lot deeper than the East this year. And they're all good teams that are, you know, at this point in the season, they're really like going at each other's throats, trying to, you know, trying to fit like five teams into three spots. Um, so I, I think that's, you know, that has my interest. Um, but also, yeah, I'm, yep. I'm, I'm, I'm go ahead, go ahead. Uh, thanks. Um, you know, just I'm like like quietly kind of like keeping an eye on the jets because like, it's just, it's mm. just intriguing to me. I, I wrote about this in like the quick hits earlier this week, but um, it, it's just intriguing to me that they're, they're such like a, like, Oh yeah, the jets are a team in the NHL. I forget about that. And they're actually like, they're good. And they play, they play like exciting hockey. So um, if I'm ever just kind of like sitting around and I'm going to like catch a random game, you know, of like the five that are available. A lot of times I'll just slip on a Jets game because it's just it's just fun to like see, you know, those like watch games without stakes where, you know, your team's inevitably going to get demolished like what's been happening with the Wings. So I, I will say this about the Jets. They are extremely entertaining because they have a kid who is, you know, probably the next best goal scorer that we're ever going to see play the game other than Alex Ovechkin and Patrick Laine. Um and then they have one of the most, I think, personally underrated, you know, like forward cores in the, in, in the league. Uh, you know, Nikolai Ehlers, a uh, fantastic hockey player. And then Blake Wheeler, who is silently, silently having an incredible season. I mean, nobody know like, you know, he, you know, he hasn't scored 20 goals yet. But, uh, you know, the dude has 62 assists in 81 points. Uh, he's having a brilliant season. Uh, so yeah, no, I think the Jets are an interesting one. Um, you know, the, you know, forgetting the fact that the, they play in a frozen hellscape, but you know, it's it's still very, 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 uh, very interesting and very intriguing. Um, I think they could they could make a push for sure. Um, it just kind of comes down to their their goaltending if they can kind of hang with it. Uh, JJ, what about you? I yeah, I'm kind of the same way in that they in how the the West has been very interesting and how Winnipeg is is the the fun to watch team I I I remember Dallas a few years ago as being a a really fun team to watch and so I'm not sure and like uh, Toronto was kind of that fun team last year Um, I just like the high octane guys that uh, that that go out and score even though I also believe that it doesn't it's not going to lend itself to playoff success but I don't care um, I guess I'm rooting for Nashville this year anyway. Uh, and then like looking at the, the East, it's, I'm still honestly surprised like how Washington was able to, to 
keep from falling off as, as sharply as as I thought they would. Like, I didn't think they were going to miss the playoffs or anything, but I also didn't think they'd be leading the Metro at the at the end of March. So um, that's fun to watch. But uh, and then Boston has been a surprisingly like I I just I kept waiting for the all year for the other shoe to drop and for them to like. Oh hey, no, these guys are are really not that good, and no, they're sitting on a plus fifty five goal differential. They're going to finish top three in the Atlantic. Uh, there's still a chance that they're going to catch Tampa, who's fallen off. So, just like a lot of like surprising teams that weren't as good are 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 interesting storylines for me in terms of who they're replacing too. Like the fact that that we technically outlasted Chicago in the playoff race is going to be. <laughs> that's going to be that's going to keep me uh keep me cool all summer long just just knowing that <laughs> uh right up yeah. it, until the oh they, they won the draft lottery that's bullshit but yeah if that happens then yes i will scream it but i'm not going to worry about it uh <laughs> best case scenario is that uh that joel quenville gets fired or decides to leave chicago and uh detroit hires him sure sure why not i'd love to have him around Actually, I mean, I like Joe Quenville, but I don't know if he's the kind of coach the team needs right now. Um, but that's a huge, that's a whole different topic. And we will visit that when the time comes, because it will come eventually. Um, for me, I think the biggest, the most, the most interesting, um, uh, the most interesting like thing that has happened, and it's not surprising, but it's just, it's the goddamn Coyotes and the Hurricanes and, and, and the, the Sabres and just, what the, it's just like, and the Oilers too. It's like, what the, you know, I just don't get it. And it's so interesting to me, especially the Oilers. I mean, it, I, I get it because, you know, they, they made all these questionable moves and with, you know, these players and contracts and all that stuff. And, you know, they get McDavid and then, you know, it's just like, it just seems like the NHL has such a huge problem with these teams, you know, like the Coyotes, how long are they going to be bad? You know, is is it like are they going to win the draft this year and get Dolan? And is is that going to fix everything? I mean, I don't think so because I mean they've got pretty decent defensemen. I mean, Ekman Larson, the uh, you know is a really good defenseman. I mean, they've got a bunch of good young players. Uh, I just don't understand what needs to happen there. Um, and it's the same with the Hurricanes. I mean, how long has it been? You know, every season, it seems like, oh, the Hurricanes, they're going to get it this season. They're going to get it this season. And it's just like every damn season, it's just like they find a way to screw it up somehow. Um, and I should be a little bit easier on the Hurricanes because, you know, they got the they got a new owner now and hopefully things turn around and, and all that stuff. But it's just I still I just cannot believe the the consistent badness that these teams live in. And uh, I just I, I don't understand it. Uh, you know, it's kind of like. You know, it's it makes the t it makes the NHL kind of lame sometimes because you know I want to see another bad team and you know maybe that's I don't know like the the Blackhawks that would be fun wouldn't it be fun if the Blackhawks just got bad again and they were just bad forever yeah it'd be great oh, but yeah. I don't know <laughs> I I just think that it's just something that's been mind boggling to me especially the Sabers I just I don't get it I mean. How long do you just suck? And it's the same the senators too. I mean, how long do you just suck? Um, Unfortunately, it is lending credence to the talk that uh, about Kenny Holland. You know, you join in a rebuild, and rebuilds take eight to ten years. Oh, really? Yeah, absolutely. It plays into that whole scenario. Like, like it's like they, those are like your, you know, it's like you just look at those teams and be like, hey. You know, it doesn't work for them, you know, and really it's, it's a good point. It really is. I mean, I, I see it, uh, you know, what team has it worked for Toronto? That's pretty much it. And I would say that they kind of fell ass backwards into a really, really, really good situation. So they kind of, well, yeah, fell... but I mean, so did the Oilers and the difference there with the Oilers is their GM is insane. <laughs> well, yeah, but. Basically, Toronto didn't screw up a good idea. Where, uh, I mean, if if only Edmonton had like some scoring wingers to help McDavid, like maybe a Jordan Eberle or a or a Taylor Hall, but no, that's 
that's crazy talk. How could they possibly get guys like that? So, yeah, I mean, it. it, it be, but I guess like the flip side of that is that you look at a team like Boston. They traded away big time players, you know, made insane moves, and yet it was painful. But now here they are; they're poised to make a real deep run. It's just very strange. It was- that was the same GM who's ruining the Oilers. Thing. I know, I know, I know, I know. That guy. But I mean, I'm, it wasn't just all him. I mean, they've also made big trades, stupid trades without uh, uh, captain dipshit. So I mean, I don't know. It, it's just, it's just, it's kind of nuts to me. This, uh, this league. I don't, I don't really understand it. I just don't understand when it stops. But you know, hey, whatever. I guess that's what makes the NHL so special, and maybe it's what makes it so irrelevant. Um. <laughs> yeah, there, there's something about it, it's really dismaying, I guess, to see kind of the same teams win in and out again. Um, I uh, I did not uh, want to see the uh, Predators make it to the finals last year over uh, shoot who they played. They played the Sharks. Mm. I can't remember. I, I would take the- I would take I would take the Preds over the Sharks any day. Yeah. Um. But def- I was like definitely upset that uh, Ottawa lost in overtime to Pittsburgh, and, and I was just like, because it was just like the opportunity for like some some new new blood, because uh, there's like eight teams or something like that that have never won a Stanley Cup, you know, and and I don't know, it's just it's this you know it's funny coming from red wings fans hearing us be like god i wish the league had like teams like the winners lost more <laughs> but um right but yeah i don't know i think it, it says something to like some organizations are just better run than others and it's you know some of the, some of those organization organizations have to like it's not a level playing field because like it's hard to attract the right talent to a place like Edmonton, so it's probably going to lead you to making some more stupid moves. Sure. Also, apparently yeah. everyone hates Taylor Hall, so I don't know. I don't mind having a league that has perennial powerhouse teams. I just don't like it when the Red Wings aren't one of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess aside from all the bad teams, my favorite story. One of my favorite stories is Alex Ovechkin. I'm just really happy to see him scoring a bunch of goals again. I don't want the Capitals to be good because I think the Capitals fan base is really boring. I think they're just like Penguins' little brother, and it's just they're just as annoying to me. Um, so now that we've talked about our favorite uh, storylines around the league right now, um, that's good. So I guess that kind of segs real well into Positivity Corner, um, which I don't really know if we still do this, but I, I'm just going to do it anyway. So um, my positive thought for all of you out there is that, um, oh, this is probably bad. I don't live on the East Coast right now because of all the snow. That's my positive thought. But if you do live on the East Coast, I'm really sorry. Happy spring. JJ? JJ? Uh, I'm going to double down and cheat and just go back to really, I, I appreciate Dylan Larkin. That's fine. That's a great, uh, you know, that's a, that's an easy answer. I think not that that's a bad answer. Yeah. I would probably, I would probably say that if you were to tell me, Hey, be positive about the Red Wings right now. I'd probably say, well, it's Dylan Larkin. So it's definitely not Jared Coro. You know, it's not, it's not like that. So, um, <laughs> Mike, what about you? Um, I am going to be positive about uh, this talking point that we skipped over that I'm going to circle back to about uh, Peter Mrazek getting chased out of Tuesday's game against, ah. against the Flyers. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Even though that, like, when that happened, I was like, my first reaction was like, I think Mrazek's career in the NHL is over. But, um, you know, that was uh, that that was that was good to kind of um it did feel really good yeah yeah screw that guy no i was actually i was i was surprised at how sad i was when when we traded him i didn't realize yeah it was same for me but you know now for that like like that tuesday night was kind of like seeing your ex-girlfriend at like a party with her stupid ugly boyfriend 
and you just like are super jacked and tan and you just look good and you know you're like glistening and stuff like that's how i felt so whatever that happens to me all the time yeah (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. just just put on a fresh coat of bronzer and yeah oh yeah just came yeah I'm wearing like an act. I'm actually wearing a clean T-shirt, and you know I'm not sweating. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, but yeah, seeing seeing the wings kind of like pounce on blood in the water. That was yeah. uh, that was good. I like. No, I will say they did pull him a little early though. <laughs> yeah, they pulled him after three goals. Like I think I think they were just like, okay, this is not going to work. Yeah, but he did look like he did he did look like crap. So I mean, he made like I, one good save. I did appreciate it was basically like. Outside of of him mishandling a puck by leaving his net and giving up a goal, that was like basically the tour of Mrazek in terms of of <laughs> right. mistakes. Exactly. That he, made. Like, he teased the short side and he gave up that goal and he overplayed another puck. And uh, I mean the the third one, he he made a really good save, but he got way too scrambly all over the place and and yeah. he gave up what should have probably been stopped. So I was yeah. like every way that we've seen Mrazic break our hearts with, with goals given up, except for misplaying a puck, which right. honestly that was my favorite part. Anyway, uh, the, the terrifying roller coaster that reminded me of Dominic Hasek. <laughs> so. Well, the good news is, is all they need to do is make the playoffs and we're golden. So it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, I'm not going to count on the whole him winning six playoff games in Philly in the happen. conference finals. No. Yeah. And I'm not I wasn't counting on them re-signing him anyway, so yeah. yeah I just I I'll, yeah, I'll just take the if they can make the playoffs, we get the third round pick. That's it. Yep. So, all right, and now as we do in every episode of Winging It in Motown Radio, we like to turn it to the reader questions. Uh, that's where we let you Wonderful people ask your wonderful questions, and we give you our awful opinions, uh, which are always right and always accurate, no matter what. And don't you ever forget it. And JJ will take the lead on these. Go for it, JJ. Oh, yeah, I will. All right. The very first thing is uh, not actually a question. So we are off to a fantastic start in this question mailbag. But the second one uh, by MKE Lawn. When tank mode ends, with tanking versus having a winning culture, how does the team swap back into win mode? Will they use Blashill as a scapegoat? Will there be anyone else? Will next year be the same semi-tank? Uh, what do think? How do you think? How do you move on from the guy who is is trying to help the kids come along to the guy who's going to get them over the hump? Is is that that's that's not the same guy, is it? No, I don't think so. No. Like never is. I don't think it's it's using Blashell as a scapegoat. I think it's just maybe just using a different era as a scapegoat. I suppose saying, well, the last era was poised for something completely different. You know, I, or you know, it was it had already run its course. You know, it was. You know, it's like, you know, it's it's 2019, and you're driving a 1981 Honda Civic with 400,000 miles on it. Uh, you know, it's like it was running, but, uh, you know, you didn't have heat and the air conditioning, you know, was shooting out toxic fumes and stuff like that. It's just like it's just, you know, that's how I look at it. It's, it's just going to be a difference in era, you know, and it's going to be I mean, this team isn't going to become good again and be a contender again under Ken Holland and Jeff Lashill. And I personally don't think it's going to under Chris Illich either. So. Ouch. What do you think, Mike? Man, the Chris Illich thing was the was the real dagger there. Um, yeah. I, I think how does focusing on the part of the question of how does a team swap back into win mode? I think that has a lot to do with just like the stuff that we as fans don't ever get to see about like the caliber of people within the organization that are the right combination of disposition and um, and skill or talents um, is how a team switches back into that mode. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think Blasio will not be the next uh, Stanley cup champion coach that the Red Wings have. 
for sure. Yeah, yeah it's it's not. such an, an interesting consideration for me with Blash Hill and the concept of how many of our commenters are are every day drumming the the fire Blash Hill. He's not a good NHL coach, and and I I don't disagree with the concept that I don't think Jeff Blashill is is going to be the next uh, you know even the 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 coach of of the next competitive Red Wings team, um, but based on like this this ten game losing streak, which is something we kind of wanted anyway, and how he has been moving along the the kids, I I don't know that he's not still necessarily the right coach for what they need right now, um, as kind of a holding pattern for you need. Dylan Larkin to continue doing what Dylan Larkin has been doing before you replace Jeff Blasio with a guy who is going to essentially be the next Scotty Bowman and say, Hey, you think you've made it. You think you're the leader on this team now win some fucking games and, and really, you know, piss off Larkin and, and do the right thing and, and be that kind of a, a hard ass who the guys are going to buy in on that, that you all think that that's, because that's what I believe is, is is going to be the the next successful Red Wings coach. Um, he just needs the talent, and I think we all agree the Red Wings just don't have that that talent right now. So uh, you you're not going to have that coach right now. So the Red Wings just basically need Joel Quenville when he's in like the last four years of his career. Yeah. Yeah, basically, I would agree with that. Yeah, and I agree with you, JJ, that, uh, you know, between keeping Blashill around for a few more years or keeping Holland around for a few more years, like, I'm, I'm way more comfortable with uh, with Blashill sticking around. Because, I mean... I think, every, I think everybody yeah. would agree. I think most people would agree with that, for sure. That'd be a great reader question. Yeah. But you're not a reader. You're disqualified. Aw, oh, damn. <laughs> Moving on. Tadaske has an interesting one. If you could pick from any players who wore the winged wheel, who would you choose to set up the dream team? 12 forwards, 6 D-men, 2 goalies. Note, they would be playing in their prime. And also, you can only pick one Red Wings player from history who has his jersey retired. All right. Uh, this, is, this sucks. Um, all right, I, I'll go first. Uh, Datsuk, Iserman, uh, Larianoff, Shanahan, Fedorov, uh, Zetterberg. I've already screwed this up. Damn it. (laughs) This is really tough. All right, so Zetterberg. I've got the other ones. I've got Zetterberg. Uh, hmm. Marion Hosa. Does Marion Hosa count? Yeah, Marion Hosa counts, right? Yeah, yeah, he counts. Yeah, he counts. Yeah, I'll take Marion Hosa. Uh, in their prime, uh, Daniel Alfredson. Uh, <laughs> we got three more forwards. So I guess I'll go ahead and say Luke Robitaille. Uh, <laughs> um, Jesus Christ. Kozlov. Uh, and let's say, I don't know, I'm just going to do something. I'm going to do Darren McCarty and then uh, Darian Hatch, or Mike Madonna. Mike Madonna, there we go. I'll go with Mike Madonna. Uh, and then defenseman, I'll go, I can't use Lidstrom because I, you know, I've already used him. So um, I'll go with uh, Konstantinov, uh, Fisher, uh, uh in their prime, in their prime. Let's think of in their prime. Yeah. I'll take Cronwall. Cronwall in his prime is 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 a good one, I think. Um, let's see. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Rafalski. I got to get Rafalski in there for sure. Um, and then I'll have uh, on the back end. Um, we'll take. <laughs> Whatever, I'm just going to do a throwaway here. I'll do Mike Green, because in his prime, he was something else. And then, uh, bleh, 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 uh, Merrick Zidlitschke. 
And then for my goalie, I will go ahead and take uh, Dominic Hasek. All right. Mike, what do you think? Ah, shit, I didn't get my, my defenseman typed out on my word pad while Kyle was going through all that. Oh, yeah, I just saw it. I didn't even, I just spewed him out, which is probably, I'd probably give out some dumb answers, but whatever. Um, okay, I'll do, uh, I'll do defense first since I, uh, didn't get the, uh, those are the ones that I didn't get to think about. Um, yeah, Green, Rafalski, certainly. Um, uh, Paul Coffey. Um, ah, yeah, damn it. Uh, Konstantinov, um, Cronwall, did I mention him? Sure, we'll go with Cronwall. Um, fuck, it's hard. Uh, I got one more. Um, who do you want to who do you want to go with? Um, we'll go with Brett Lebda because at that point it's not going to freaking matter. <laughs> um, uh, for my goalie, I'm going to go with Mike Vernon just because it'd be fun. Mm. Mm. Um, even though he's not the best choice, um, uh, forwards be, uh, Zetterberg, Datsuk, Iserman, Fedorov, Larianov, Shanahan, Madano, Franzen, uh, the grind line of, uh, Draper, Maltby, and McCartney, and the wild pick is, uh, what's up? McCarty. Yeah, not McCartney. McCarty. It's not a, not a Beatles yeah, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Miss Bill. Wrong wings. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> oh, it's okay. I think I named Darian Hatcher as one of my forwards, which is I, whatever. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's fine. The, I wasn't thinking. The last one, the surprise pick, though. John O'Grodnick. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. But seriously, Darian Hatcher in his prime, like, come on. I'll take Darian Hatcher. That dude was a freaking bruiser. Such Anyways, disrespect for Larry Murphy. Oh, <laughs> we all forget about Sorry. Larry Murphy. Uh, I'm going to go as lazy as possible, and I'm just going to take the 0102 team. Um, yeah. But to follow the rule that I'm only allowed the one retired number, uh, I'm actually going to replace uh, Steve Eiserman with Henrik Zetterberg. Uh, I think that. Uh, with Fedorov out there, and with uh, with Zetterberg in in his prime, I think that uh, that makes up the the gap better with what uh, with Iserman than trying to make up the gap of of not having Nick Lidstrom playing thirty minutes every night for that team. So, um, just go Google that whole team. I'm sure like, like you could put in Paul Coffee or, or, or stuff like that, but uh, it's just easy just to do that one squad. So, moving on from my correct best answer. Um, you are NSRW. such a cheating asshole. Yeah, but I'm right, so... Yeah, he, made, like, he made the wings joke. He, he did a lot of work on that one. ENSRW wants to uh, to play the fun. Assume the Red Wings get the second place in the draft lottery and take Andre Svechnikov. Is there a lottery-winning team that would be willing to trade the number one overall pick, which is presumably Dolan in this comment, for the Svechnikov brothers plus a defensive prospect? No. No, I I think that Dolan is, is far and away the... The, like the franchise choice right now yeah. and a team would be really silly or yeah. you would have to be looking at like you throw together that package and you're also like okay let's have your next couple of first round picks uh or i'm gonna hang up the phone on you immediately I, yeah i, I mean the one overall is moving and i don't think that you're gonna to, to talk anybody out of that yeah the only way that you're really making that trade happen is if you have a team who got first overall and is in desperate need for like a franchise center, like a like a, a centerman that is a player they can build around. Svechnikov, both Svechnikovs are wingers, uh, and a defensive prospect. Who <laughs> you want? Philip Ronick? Sure, he's 
been good for his one season in the HL. It's just now. It, it just it, this, we're going to be dealing with this all summer. Um, first overall pick is not getting traded. This it's not going to get traded. Whoever gets it is going to take Dolan, and whoever does trade it is probably going to get either so underwhelmingly little, or it's just going to be so underwhelming or so overwhelming. There will not be a middle ground. There will not be a trade where it's like, oh, well, that makes sense for both of them. I think it's just going to be, it's, you know, someone's going to get robbed and uh, someone's going to come out on the top. But I don't think anybody trades that pick. Yeah, I was going to say the only way that happens is like, say like John Tavares had like one more year on his deal, but like made it like publicly known that he was not interested in, in re-signing with the Islanders next year. And even that trade would still be kind of like a wow, that's a kind of a big yeah. gamble. I mean, that's, yeah. talking about a potential franchise cornerstone player in Rasmus Dahlin. Now we don't know if that's what he's going to be, but uh, it's a pretty good bet. So, all right, but no, uh, no, it's not happening. Mittenman1391 wants to know how many roster spots do you think will actually be up for grabs next year? Obviously, returning roster players, re-signings, and off-season trades would affect what your answer would be. Uh, so, go ahead, whoever. Mike, go ahead. Yep, yep I'll go first on this one. Um, geez, I, I think there'll be one spot open. Yeah, uh, I agree with from, you. From Mike Green moving oh, out. On the, blue, on the blue line. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought it was just one as a, overall uh, I, I might go with, yeah, just one overall if, uh, you know, <clears throat> we don't have anyone coming off of contract um, in the forwards, and it's not particularly likely that any of them get moved. So I think we'll have a space for Joe Hicketts next year. Uh, I personally think that Mike Green is going to get re-signed um, to, you know, one or two-year deal. Um unless he can find a bigger deal somewhere. Uh, I think they will actually just try and resign him, regardless of what the terms are. Um, but I do think that there will be one, maybe one open spot uh, for a player who is not on the team, on the current roster right now. So I think that Bertuzzi will be there. Uh, I think that, I don't, I don't think that Svechnikov will be, so maybe that, whatever. But um I think there will be one, maybe two spots open for young kids, you know, young players to take. Uh, and I think that personally it will be between, I think the first player that, that's going to get a real shot at taking an open spot is going to be Mike, uh, is going to be Rasmussen. Because I yeah. think that it's, yeah, yeah, I just think that it's going to be him. Uh, and I honestly, I would love it because I think he's a. I think he's a player. Like I think he's a good kid, and he's he's really good at it. And I think he just kind of fits what the Red Wings really, really want. So, I think it's going to be him. I think they'll they will give him a legitimate shot, kind of like what they do with Larkin, basically. Yeah, because I mean, looking at the the only UFAs are David Booth and Mike Green, and Jared Coro. So, yeah, I mean, even. Uh, you, the backup goaltender, I suppose, is a, is going to be a roster spot up for grabs. But I, yeah, I don't know why they they probably just re-sign Coro or yeah, give him a one-year deal or something. Yeah, some rando play, Ty Conklin out of the closet or wherever the hell he got left. <laughs> um, you know the RFA's are uh, there's question about whether or not Marty Furkle will be back. He's an RFA, but yeah, yeah, I, I can't see them making. A, a whole lot of roster spaces. Yeah, I, I don't either. I think it'll it'll be very underwhelming. But I think that Rasmussen is leading the pack. I don't think any defenseman will really get a shot. All right. So the next question is, and I'm reading this out loud uh, intentionally wrong because I like to call it they jam <laughs> they jam away a tit. <laughs> If you are Chris Illich, would you keep Ken Holland on a year-by-year contract? Or if he tells you he wants to re-sign Mike Green, who do you target as, as his replacement? Um, does anybody want Ken Holland back at all, let alone year-to-year? No. So but. do we have the targeted replacement out there? Or are we just ready to accept Chris Draper or Ryan Martin as that guy? No. 
No, honestly, you go like if this is what you're gonna do and you're like ready to move on, then you need to go to you need to go to like another team. You need to go to another team, and it, it, this is a really cheap answer, but it's like go to Toronto and poach Kyle Dubas or something like that. Just say, hey, come be, come take the reins. You know, I'm not an owner who knows anything about hockey or cares about hockey, but you'll have full control uh, over your team. I mean, that's all you got to do. You just all you got to do is tell a GM or someone that is a prospective GM say you will have 100 percent control of this team. And, you know, we're not going to undercut you yet, but I know that that's coming too. So true. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think that basically if they want a new GM, they just need to go to another team or another G or, you know, whoever they might think will be a good GM and just say, you're going to have whole control of this ship. You're going to be like an Allen. It's going to be your team. I like to so do that's, that's, that's the best way to do it. I like the Dubas answer, too, because it kind of forces Toronto's hand and shit or get off the pot. Either make him your, like, your full-powered GM or stop hogging him. Yeah. They're not going to do they, – they're not going to be able to keep him unless – unless uh, I mean, actually, they might because they'll probably just say, oh, Liberella, why don't you come be, like, CEO of, you know, food and beverage at American Airlines Center or wherever the hell they play, Air Canada or whatever. I don't know. You mean they're going to give their current GM a chance to take over a different role while their young and up-and-coming guy who probably will be able to do a better job takes over the reins? I can't imagine that would work out or ever be a good idea, Steve. <laughs> yeah, maybe that wasn't Steve Eisenman. Fuck, I made myself mad. Yeah, well, it's okay. Every time you need to get a little mad in you every now and then. That's a good point. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be me, Kyle. No problem. And then, what do you agree. think, Mike? I would agree with, uh, yeah, just, you know, snagging someone from another organization is probably the best choice to get uh, yeah. an infusion of new blood in the organization. You know what might be an interesting, and, you know, this is obvious, this might be a terrible idea. I might be just throwing stuff at the wall to see if it sticks. Why not ask someone like Hakan Anderson? What do you feel about GMing? Who knows if he's any good at it? He might not be, but why not? Why not just give it a shot? You know, experiment a little, get creative. You want to you want to keep it in the family? Then you know, go to go to go to someone like that. I don't know. Sure. Whatever. I'm just I'm just yeah. I'm just yeah. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what I'm saying. Bring I would Jim Bedard back into the fold. No, actually, well, the, the perfect, the perfect, the perfect storm is uh, Ken Holland uh, agrees to take a different position with the team, uh, and uh, Nick Lidstrom moves in and is the GM, and he uh, gets the lottery pick. He draft, we draft Rasmus Dahlin, and then Nick Lidstrom turns him into a player that he would never have been. The first ever. Actually, I don't know if he'd be the first. He would be a player GM who is. Working alongside Dallin to develop him. Yes. Because if you don't think that Nick Lindstrom could step back on NHL ice right now and play at least yeah. 15 minutes a night of, of better hockey than Nick Jensen could put in, uh, you are wrong. They're very wrong. Okay, the very last question is, uh, again, about not getting that first pick. And so who exactly should we take with it? And I'm well, who, where where are we picking? Uh, let's just say it's second. Okay. And I'm just gonna punt that because I don't care. So you guys. Are- <laughs> uh, it's probably gonna be. I don't think I take. I don't think I take Svechnikov, uh, Andre Svechnikov. Um I think honestly, if it came down to it, I really, really, really. If you're not gonna take a defenseman, you, I really would like them to take, um, you know, like a, a centerman. Um, so in that case, I suppose the best answer, uh, in my opinion, and I probably, I'm probably going to get yelled at for this, uh, but I really, 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 really love either Brady Kachuk or even Oliver Wallstrom. Uh, a lot of people don't really understand, uh, how good of a player Oliver Wallstrom is. He's extremely underrated in this draft. Uh, you know, if you, if you don't know anything about him, go Google him. 
and look up his YouTube videos. Um, he's he's a phenomenal goal, goal scorer. Plays center, uh, but then you know Brady Kachuk is also one. He play, he can play center. So I think it's between the two. It's either Brady Kachuk or Oliver Wallstrom. And if you want me to take a defenseman, then I'm taking Quinn Hughes. But the Red Wings will never take Quinn Hughes because he is smallish kind of guy. Uh, so I think they might end up taking a guy like you know. If they they might they would they might reach there and try and do like a bigger defenseman who is in the top ten rankings like Dobson or Bouchard or something like that. And I realize that many of you probably don't know any of those names, so it doesn't really matter. Oliver Wallstrom has a cool sounding name. He's a very very good <laughs> hockey player. <laughs> he is extremely sick. He was a he was a he was he was a, an internet YouTube sensation for a goal that he scored during a Bruins intermission, like, like you know, when they have the little kids do, like, the shootouts and stuff like that. Yeah, he got famous for one of the moves that he pulled off. And for anybody listening, just go look it up. You'll see it's it's incredible. It's really, really cool because he was, like, like, he was, like, a, like a, a, a tween. He was, like, a little kid. So it's pretty cool stuff. But he is also a really good hockey player. I don't know. Last, last YouTube sensation that the Wings drafted was Thomas Yurko. We all know how that turned out. Well, Thomas Yerko is a little bit of a different, a little bit of a different situation. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Uh, when we when we were going into the draft that we were supposed to be draft that we drafted Larkin, you know who I wanted to take before anybody, uh, if including Larkin, it was Alex Tuck. Alex Tuck was given away to the Vegas Golden Knights for free, or no, it was a trade. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, it was part of a trade but, so the Wild could keep uh, so they wouldn't lose Brodeen or um, exactly. Dunba. See, so, so you never know. But uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's that's the way I'd go. And you guys know me; I could talk about the draft for hours, so I'm not going to really sit here and riff on that for much longer. All right, that'll Mike, uh, Mike, Mike, you have no pick. Mike doesn't um, have a pick. Oh goodness, um, I'm not. I'm not like. Up on these things enough. It's okay. It's okay. To, just to just pick like, someone. Uh, I mean, look, Adam, look at a list and pick the Adam, pick the coolest name. Barquist. Okay. Yeah, I see his name popping up probably because he's just like in the in the range uh, of where we'd be picking, and he's Swedish. Okay. All right. There you go. And his name sounds like a chicken talking. <laughs> yeah. That's important. Very important. He's listening. All right. He's listening to this podcast. It's very sad now. Now that I've run us totally off the rails, I'm just going to hand it back. <laughs> get us out of here. All right, guys. Well, uh, this has been great. Um, the Red Wings play tonight because we will be posting this uh, on Thursday, which is right now in about 20 minutes, 22 minutes. Um, so. Any final thoughts, concerns, uh, confessions? Uh, no. Look at the rest of the schedule. I think we got a good uh, a good shot at uh, at the lottery. We've got uh, some head to head against some teams that were were fighting. Like two more games left against the Habs is, is going to decide because the Habs yeah. officially got eliminated uh, tonight while we were recording. Yeah. Uh, so that that's going to be a tight race that we we play against the senators again. Um, so yeah, there's we got a good chance of of doing something to control our own destiny in terms of where we want our destiny to end up. Yeah, uh, and to anybody who says we are we should tank for Dolan at this point, uh, just look at the standings. It's we, we're basically just hoping that other teams do bad. It's not about the Red Wings at this point. We need other teams to, or we need other teams to do good. That's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. Need, yeah. Uh, we need other teams to win. Need Montreal and Ottawa to start playing a little better. Yeah. Which, yeah. Anyways, um, Mike, any, uh, comments, concerns? Uh, no, that, I mean, those were my comments or concerns. I'm just concerned with the way that, <laughs> Montreal and Ottawa are playing right now. They're not playing well enough. <laughs> right, exactly. We, 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 won, uh, we won on Tuesday against the Flyers and it just catapulted us over them, over both of them. So. 
for sure. Well, um, my final thought tonight is, uh, and I don't know if we've really mentioned this at all. I probably ha- we probably haven't talked about it much at all on the site, the website. Um, I just want to give uh, a big, uh, silent, uh, a, re- a resounding silent uh, round of applause to the, uh, uh, the the Stoneman Douglas Eagles hockey team who won. Uh, you know, the, the Florida State title uh, in wake of uh, the, the tragedy, uh, the, you know, the mass shooting that happened at the high school. Um, and, uh, you know, hats off to the Panthers and the NHL who have given them their support. Um, I, you know, it's sometimes we kind of forget uh, how powerful uh, the sport can be and how powerful the league is. And, uh, you know, in a time where we all kind of probably needed it, uh, it's good to see, you know, those those kids get lifted up and uh, do something really great, not only for themselves, not only for uh, the world or, you know, or, or America or whatever you want to say, but, uh, you know, for the sport of hockey. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just really good to see and, uh, you know, hats off to them. So everybody have a, have a good one. Uh, we'll see you next time and uh, be good or don't be good. Whatever you want. The, you know, it's your decision. Wing. There you go. Wing.